Hey, so I'm going I'm to uh, push you a little bit. I think uh, I want us to continue to um, grow and push towards being unashamedly passionate and excited for Jesus. Um, that's not what we're talking about tonight, but I think I, I, was, I joked with uh, Pastor Larry a second ago. Um, I feel like after what we just sang, I feel like, like that was it. Like, what else do we need to talk about, man? Like, that was saying the gospel truth. We, got, we get to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Y'all with me? Y'all awake tonight? Man, I, I believe that music is a gift from God. Man, and, and it really is a truly a gift and has so much ability to impact us and change the way we think and the way that we feel, right? Sometimes it feels like when we're singing a song, like your soul just wants to jump through the roof, right? Like you just, I hope that you feel that way sometimes. Like if you're a believer, I think you should feel that in your gut sometimes. I love what Martin Luther um, said about music. This is crazy. He says, or I should say crazy as in it's very well stated. He said, music is to be praised as second only to the word of God because by her, all the emotions are swayed. She is the mistress and the governess of the feelings of the human heart. Man, that's pretty well said. Music is powerful. We're going to do um, kind of a, a short series on the book of Psalms. You may have seen this on Instagram or whatever. That's my jam. If you're like, why in the world would they call a series on the book of Psalms? That's my jam. Well, Psalms are the really poetic song lyrics. It was considered the songbook of Israel, the nation of Israel, of God's people. And so I love the Psalms. You can go ahead and turn, by the way, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalms tonight. I love the Psalms because they're so full of emotion and pictures and imagery. Man, if, you, if you are not a believer and you're just wanting to maybe like dip your toe into the Bible a little bit, the book of Psalms is a great place to start. And if you are a believer, they're a great place to continue because they're so rich. And I think I would even say if you feel a little bit dry in your walk with Christ and maybe like it's just kind of all head knowledge and nothing in your heart, the book of Psalms is a great place to turn to because of the rich imagery and emotion. And just to get where we're going, you can go ahead and turn to Psalm 23. I mentioned Psalm, but Psalm 23. So just to make sure we're on the same page, do you agree with me that music is powerful? Yes. And if you're, if you're not sure, um, just to maybe help give you some examples of why we think it's, it's powerful. When you're studying for a test or whatever, and sometimes, some of you are like are the kind of person that you have to have silence, but some of y'all, you put on your jams when you're studying. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you put on that, mm, preach. <laughs> you put on that, maybe for me, like, it's still to this day, not, not from preparing for a sermon, because that would be kind of weird, but if I'm just like, when I was studying, finishing up school, I would put on some John Mayer, just kind of smooth acoustic guitar, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody, any John Mayer fans out there? Okay, so, peace, bro, yeah, okay. Yeah, I love some John Mayer. Or that's what, again, to... Uh, um, portray the power of music. That's why when you go to the rec or the gym or whatever, you don't put on Mozart or something, right? You, okay, Daniel does, but that's Daniel. <laughs> no, most people, you put on something that you're going to like, you walk into the gym and you're like, somebody try me, I will knock them out, right? <laughs> you are ready, you know what I'm saying? Man, you get pumped up. Or after, after a breakup, that's speaking of John Mayer, right? After a breakup, that's why you put on the like... I'm going to sit in my room and I cry. You know what I'm saying? That's like slow dancing in a burning room. Sorry, too far? (laughs) 
Or, again, the, the power of music. I think that's why it's funny when you're, like, if you're hanging out with your friends, let's say after Thursday night, you're going to go get, I don't know, food. You're going to, I guess you wouldn't drive to IHOP. It's just right across the street. <laughs> but let's say you're going somewhere to get some food or whatever, um, and you're all with your friends and you're having a good time. If the person driving put on something really slow and mellow, you would probably go, what are you doing, right? This is supposed to be fun, energetic. Like, the music needs to match what is going on in our lives right now. Music really is powerful. And, and I think it's funny. Let me ask you this. I'll at least confess this. There are times in my life where I kind of wish I had, like, a theme song playing. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you're going to have that, conver- that difficult conversation, and you just wish you had, like, that rocky music in the background. You're like, right? Like, you're, you're the soundtrack of your life playing. Now, as silly as that is, I really do think all of us have some sort of song or soundtrack playing in our hearts and minds. And it could be literally like you've got a song stuck in your head. <laughs> but at the very least, it's just this kind of repeating refrain in your heart and mind. I want to ask you for a second. What is the current soundtrack of your life? Is it want? So you're constantly walking around thinking, if I could just have that, if I could just get this, if I could just be with that person. Is it restlessness that you're always like, I got to go, I got to go. And and now because I'm always going, now I'm burnt out. I I, got to keep doing more and more. If I could just have a second to breathe, but I don't have time to breathe. I got to keep going. Is it fear, worry, anxiety? We're just saying that we're, we're not slaves to fear, but the reality is a lot of us live as if we are slaves to fear with this song that's playing in our heart and mind that we're afraid, we're worried about things. Maybe it's, it's loneliness. Maybe it's guilt and, and shame of what is in your past. And it seems like everywhere you turn, every conversation you have just brings up what it is that you're ashamed of. What is the soundtrack playing in your head and in your heart? One of the things that's so special about the Psalms, that there's so much depth, and we're not going to cover all of that tonight. It's not a survey of the Psalms. But one of the things that's so cool about them, I really think, is the purpose, the intent of the Psalms, to put it in our terms today, maybe, is to switch out the soundtrack that's playing in our hearts and minds and to, to replace it with the song that God wants us to have in our heart and minds. Like, I don't mean necessarily literally like, so stop listening to whatever the radio station is in and, and, and Lubbock that is uh, super gangster, and so now you're going to listen to K-Love. Like, I, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but, but switching the soundtrack from, from want to contentment, from restlessness to rest, from fear to trust. And the Psalms help us to do that, to, to unplug from the... Apple Music Library of the World and to plug in to what God would have for us. I, I love Psalm 23. I'm going to ask David, if you're going to cut, if you don't mind coming on up. Um, I love Psalm 23 because I feel like it is one of the, but we're not like finishing, by the way. You're like, that was a short sermon. <laughs> I love Psalm 23 because I, I really feel like the reality is 
when I said Psalm 23, most of you kind of already knew, you know, I walked the valley of the shadow of death, I didn't feel anything. You, you kind of know that psalm. There's a difference in knowing it here and it being the soundtrack of your life. You with me? I feel like if we can get this psalm as our song, if it will become my jam, <laughs> it would, uh, I'm not trying to be dramatic, I think it would completely flip your universe over and reorient everything about your life. And as we study this tonight, the reason I'm having David come up, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like just be weird, we're not going to do this every time as we're going through psalms, but I really do, since psalms are poetic song lyrics, I think it can be helpful advantageous to to have a little music in the background and so i'm not going to sing please no i'm not going to do that uh, sing this whole thing to you but but just to kind of help create a little bit of the atmosphere so to speak this psalm it is a psalm about god's care for us let me be more specific because in the psalm he actually uses more he doesn't just talk corporately. He talks about the individual. So let me reframe that. This psalm is a song about God's care for you. And I don't have time to point at every single person, but it's a song about God's care for you. And again, I want to ask you, how would you describe God's care for you? Like if you were being honest, like if I came to you and said, hey, tell me for a second, what are some ways you would describe God's care for you? Would you say, man, I feel abandoned. I feel like God forgot me, like, hello, down here, bro. Like, maybe you feel, for, for whatever reason, that he's been harsh or distant from you. I, I don't know what you're feeling, but I really do believe if you were to, to travel back in time and to ask King David, who wrote this psalm, Hey, how would you describe the way God cares for you? How would you describe that? And, and King David, you seem to have a heart for God. And you're mentioned a lot in the Bible. So it must have been a pretty cool dude. You weren't perfect. We know what you did with Bathsheba. Not cool, bro. Um, but you seem to be a pretty good guy. So how would you describe God's care for you? And how should, in the same way, how should I view and understand God's care for me? This is, I think, what he would say. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. The faithful, eternal, covenant-keeping God. If you're a follower of him, he is your shepherd. Shepherd. We're not too familiar with shepherds. Maybe some of you are shepherds, probably not. <laughs> I love what Leland Rockend, brilliant man as far as his area of expertise is on um, different literary styles of the Bible. But he, he tells us a little bit about shepherds and sheep. Listen to what he says. Sheep were not fenced in and left to fend for themselves in this time. Instead, they were totally dependent on shepherds for protection, grazing, watering, shelter, and tending to injuries. In fact, sheep would not survive long without a shepherd. Sheep are not only dependent creatures, they are also singularly unintelligent. They dumb. <laughs> They're prone to wandering and unable to, I love this, and unable to find their way to a sheepfold 
even when it is in, sorry, even when it is within sight. <laughs> they can see the sheep they're supposed to be with, but they won't go over there. <laughs> Shepherds were thus providers, guides, protectors, and constant companions of sheep. The Lord, the faithful, eternal, covenant-keeping God, if you're a follower of Him, He is your shepherd. By the way, what does that make you and me? <laughs> Dumb sheep, right? So we just need to kind of embrace that for a second as we're going through the psalm. That's how we're described, is not the brightest, tend to wander off, wander from our shepherd, that that's who we are. The Lord is my shepherd. One who tends to me, takes care of me. Sheep, especially at this time, were absolutely dependent on their shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What's he say? I shall not want. Here's the deal. When, the, when you know the Lord is your shepherd, him being your shepherd, he's going to make sure that you have everything you need, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. He's going to, He's going to take care of you because he is a good shepherd who's going to make sure that his sheep have what they need. That doesn't mean, again, there's a difference in need and want. doesn't mean you're going to have everything you want. He's going to give you things that you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing because he's going to provide for me. Look at how some of the ways he provides. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I love this. So he makes me lie down in green pastures. So he's going to first, God as our shepherd, we're the sheep. He's going to lead us to green pastures. So places where we're going to have what we need. He's going to provide what we need to not just survive, but to thrive. And says, I love it. It says, he's going to make us lie down there. So here's the deal. Most of us, because we, what are we? Don't leave out the first word. We are dumb sheep. Okay, yeah. So don't you forget that or me. Most of us, this is what we're prone to do. God leads us to a place where like, man, it's where we're supposed to be and we're going to thrive. But because we're, okay, you're getting it. Because we're dumb sheep, we're like, well, that was fun. And we keep on walking. Right? And like end up in the ditch over here. It says, I love what he says. He makes me lie down. Some of us, we keep walking because what are we doing? Hey, God, that was cool. Thanks for providing. I got to keep going. I'm busy. I'm busy. And he says, no, 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 no. God is our shepherd. He makes us lie down and rest. Not just move past his provision, but lie down and rest. He leads me beside still water. So again, he's going to take me to the place of provision. He's going to give me what I need. It's still water. So it's not this thing where I'm drinking in, taking in God's provision, like looking over my shoulder, like, man, who are these fools coming up behind me? These wolves, like, no, it's still, there's calm. I can enjoy his provision. (laughs) God, as your shepherd, he's going to lead you to those places that you could not find on your own. It says he restores my soul. So as God provides for us, as he takes us to really places of beauty and calm, and I don't mean just like literally, because Lubbock is maybe not the most, I love it, but it's not the most beautiful place. And it can tend to not be so calm when the wind's 80 miles an hour, right? But spiritually, he's going to lead me to places of beauty and calm because he's my shepherd. He's going to take me to places of rest. And when he does that, he's going to, 
Like verse three says, restore my soul. And not just like this, it's not soul as in like how we might think of just spiritual, but like, man, the depth of who I am, he's gonna restore me. My heart will be full. Why? Because he is my what? What is he? My shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Paths of righteousness, not just not necessarily just like, I'm going to live this righteous way, but he's going to lead me. I love what the NIV says, the right path. And if that confuses you with the righteousness, so especially in the Old Testament, there was, there was considered two paths. You could take the fool's path, path, which led to, starts with a D and rhymes with breath, death. Man, you guys are going to do good in your exams. <laughs> Or you could take the righteous path, which would lead, lead to life, which would be considered the right, the good path. So he's saying, as, our she- as my shepherd, God leads me in paths of righteousness, the right way, a path. How do you get down a path? You walk a step at a time, right? God's going to lead me a step at a time down the path that I need to go because he's my shepherd. And it says for his, it's for his namesake. So it's not because I'm a really good sheep, because I'm not. I'm a dumb sheep, right? And so it's not because, man, Brandon, you've earned it. You're a great sheep. No, it's, it's for his namesake, meaning God as the eternal, faithful, covenant-keeping, good shepherd, good God. He's got a reputation to keep. This is not a pride thing. This is like, this is who he is. He's known as a good, faithful shepherd. And so you better believe, regardless of how stupid and foolish and running, wandering we are, he's going to protect us and lead us because he's a good shepherd, and that's what good shepherds do. It's for his namesake. You've got a reputation to keep up. And here's the deal. Lest we not forget that even as Christians, we're going to face difficulty. We're going to face hardship. He mentions in this next verse, you're going to go through some dark times. But I love this verse because if you are a sheep of the good shepherd, Jesus, when you go through a hard time, you have something that changes everything. Look at verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You're just a dumb sheep. Why wouldn't you be scared? Because you, talking to God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A, a better translation of shadow of death really probably is, is valley of deep darkness. Some of yours may even say that. It has a little fit, footnote down there. Valley of deep darkness. And here's why I think that's important. I think we can tend to read that and think, well, I haven't experienced death yet. Maybe someone I, I love a lot hasn't died yet. It's actually a lot broader application than that. Valley of deep darkness. Darkness. Let me ask you, do you ever go through periods of darkness? Let me ask again. Do you ever go through periods of darkness? Absolutely. Times where you're taking a step and you're not, you're, you're a little scared because you're not sure what's around the corner. Or maybe you're scared because you're not sure of like who or what is around the corner, not just the future, but you're not sure like is someone there going to hurt me? Or maybe in the darkness, you kind of, you lose your, your way in your surroundings. And you know what? Darkness could, it could include death, absolutely. It could include the death of a loved one. It could include anxiety and worry. Darkness could include family struggles. It could include job job struggles. It could include friend struggles, periods of darkness. 
But here's the deal. King David, David says, I'm like a sheep. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know what? I'm not going to fear. I ain't scared, bro. <laughs> because God is with me. It's like, I don't know, some of y'all, maybe this won't work because, like, you didn't have a great father figure. Man, I had a, even though my dad's not, like, some big manly dude like I am, just kidding. Um, but even though he's not some big mammoth guy, I remember as a kid, if we were walking somewhere that I might have got scared, if I looked up and saw my dad, I might bow out my chest a little bit, right? Because, like, my dad's with me, right? I'm not scared. He says, even though I'm just a dumb little sheep, but I'm walking with my good shepherd, it doesn't matter if I'm going through the valley, the shadow of death, of deep darkness. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Because God is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So most of you are probably familiar with the shepherd's staff like this. This is actually, well, this is someone's walking stick. But um, this is the closest thing I could find to a shepherd's rod. Actually, two different things. So the shepherd would have both of these as he took care of his sheep. So the staff, yes, was to, to fend off predators and animals and to beat those darn wolves off right but also it was to help to protect the sheep to get it back on track right maybe a sheep would fall down as it was passing through the valley it might fall down in a crevice and the staff would help the shepherd get the sheep back on track right the rod was for real this is like jackie chan shepherd you know what i'm saying like he'll straight up mess a fool up okay because you don't mess with his sheep so king david says i'm not scared when i walk through the valley of the shadow of death because i'm God, I'm with you and your rod and your staff. They comfort me. It's like Medea says, when you got your piece of steel, you will have your piece. (laughs) I think we forget that God is loving and forgiving and gracious and caring. And you know what? He's also walking by our side. And if somebody messes with us, he will tear them up. (laughs) That's why we can sing, no, not today, devil. Because, not because we're big and bad, but because we got a really big and bad shepherd. <laughs> and he's on our side. So we don't have to be scared. And, and don't miss this. I love what Charles Haddon Spurgeon points out. Even though I walk, what's the next word? Through. You know what? Because your shepherd's good, you don't get stuck in the valley. Well, I guess I'll just die here for the rest of my life. No, no. You walk through the valley. Hey, some of y'all need to hear this tonight. Some of y'all are in some really dark places. You need to realize that your shepherd is going to, if you're a follower of Christ, he's going to bring you through that valley of darkness. He's not going to leave you in there. He's going to bring you through it. So, first of all, we see he is our good shepherd. That's how King David describes the way God takes care of him. And that's how we should understand the way God cares for us. That he's a good shepherd. But not only that, real quick. We see in verses 5 and 6, he is a gracious host. I love this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Man, what a cool picture. I think I, I rarely think of God this way. That God is a gracious host who wants to invite me to come in and dine at his table. How awesome is that? There's some folks in my life that if they invited me over to their house to dine with them, that would like, be the biggest honor. Here's, here's what he's saying. God, the way, David's saying, God, the way he takes care of me, it's as if he's invited me to dine at the king's table. It's not a bad dinner invitation. <laughs> you should take that one if you get that invitation. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. By the way, when you get to eat with someone, dine with something, there's intimacy there, right? There's fellowship. There's friendship. Yo, that's what God wants with you. That's the way he wants to take care of you, to invite you and to dine at his table. Not to be left outside with the door locked to not get in. No, he says, hey, come on in. I want you to come and dine with me. And I love this. In the presence of my enemies. So, again, the Bible is very honest and very real. We're going to face hardship. We're going to go through valleys of darkness. And we're going to have enemies that surround us. But even when our enemies are surrounding us and knocking on the door, God says, don't worry about them. You sit down and dine with me. <laughs> don't worry about them. Y'all, why would we be fearful of anything? I mean this figuratively, not literally like we shouldn't, like we're safe in this room, which hopefully are safe in this room. But why would we fear, fear anything out there when we get to sit and dine with the King of Kings, the Lord of the universe. If we're at his table, what are they gonna do to us? (laughs) Y'all with me? You anoint my head with oil. So in that time, what they would do, a a host was having you to his house for a guest. And this seems weird to us, but again, 2000, or more in this case, more than 2000 years ago, kind of a little different time, right? They would put oil on the guest head as a sign of welcoming, of gladness. This was going to be a festival. This is going to be a feast. It was a joyous time. So God says, not only do you come into my house to dine with me, I'm going to put some oil on your head because, man, we're going to celebrate. You're, you're an honored, respected guest at my house. It's pretty cool. He says, my cup overflows. So at God's table, and there's provision. And not just like to get you through, man, God is going to provide what you need. Verse 6. I misspoke a second ago. Verse 5 is really the gracious host. Verse 6, it's almost like he splits the two metaphors. The first one being about the shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So this word says mercy, the Hebrew word there is kesed, and that's his, his faithful love. So surely his goodness and faithful love shall follow me, and and again, follow, a more literal translation of that is pursue, chase after. So listen to this. I'm, what am I? Dumb sheep, you guys are getting quick. Okay, I'm dumb sheep. I've got a shepherd. So as I'm walking along, as my shepherd's following me, I can know, surely it's true, that goodness and mercy are gonna chase after me all the days of my life. So even on the bad days, even the days where I'm wondering, Wandering away, God's love and goodness and faithfulness and mercy are chasing after me. He doesn't sit there at the door like, oh, dumb sheep, maybe one day he'll come back. No, he's chasing after you because he's a good shepherd. Then the end of verse 6, it kind of goes back to the second metaphor of he's a good host. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you're a believer, that, that's true. Like one on this earth, no matter what this world throws at you, no, no matter what difficulty, what hardship, persecution, you get to be in the presence of the king. They can't, people can't take that away from you. That's why in the New Testament, the followers of Christ, even, though when they, even when they were in prison, they could sing because they're in the presence of the king. And one day, quite literally, we really will dwell in the house of the Lord and literally sit at his table. That's gonna be pretty sweet. <laughs> I want to kind of end looking at the shepherd. One last thing. We're not going to look at it, but if you look at chapter 22, we've actually mentioned this before, but Psalm 22 is really 
a prophecy, a foretelling of the cross of Jesus. And if you don't believe me, um, you could check out, let me see here, <laughs> verse 18. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. The end of verse 16, they have pierced my hands and feet. This is a prophesy, prophecy of what would happen to the Messiah, to Christ. Chapter 23, the good shepherd follows on the heels of the sacrifice that God would make. If you go to John chapter 10, we're not going to turn them, in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus describes himself, take a guess, as the what? The good shepherd. And he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Here's the deal, y'all. It's possible for us as dumb, I'm not, I'm not saying that, like to make you offended, like I'm, I'm including myself in that, as messed up and foolish as we are as dumb sheep, the reason we are able to be invited into the king's house and to dine with him, and the reason we're able, the reason like we get to have this good shepherd following us around is because Jesus, as the perfectly good shepherd, laid down his life for you and for me, even though we didn't deserve it. Though we are sinners and we've run from him, he laid down his life. He lived the life we could never live, died the death we could deserve so we could be forgiven and have him as our shepherd and as our gracious host. Here's the deal. You and me, when I asked earlier, how would you describe the way God cares for you? Probably most of us would not have described him, oh man, he's a good shepherd. He's a gracious host. You don't have to shake your head or anything, but I'm gonna assume that's probably true. We might not have described him that way. I I think the reason is, Paul David Tripp, really, really cool guy. He has a great devotional called New Morning Mercy you should check out. But he says, we believe two big lies. We believe that we are autonomous, that we can do what we want. I'm my own person, so no one can tell me what to do. I can do my own thing. And we also believe the lie that we are self-sufficient, that I can get through this life on my own and I'm good. Because we believe those lies, most of us go through life acting like we don't need a shepherd. Yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, but hey, I'm kind of doing my own thing down here. No, no, no. Y'all, we need, you need, I need a shepherd. (laughs) And here's the cool thing. You have one. (laughs) If you're a Christian, you have a shepherd. His name is Jesus. He's a really, really good shepherd. He wants to lead you and guide you. So here's the deal. Most of us walk through life living the, and, and believing and singing the song in our heart, or sorry, in our hearts and our minds, that's the opposite of Psalm 23. Most of us walk through life saying, I don't have a shepherd. I don't have anyone to take care of me. And that quite frankly, I don't want anyone to take care of me. So you know what? I want things all the time. I'm always busy. I never lie down and rest. No one restores my soul and refreshes me. And you know what? I walk through some really dark times and I'm scared to death. No one's there to protect me. I would love to sit and enjoy presence with people, but you know what? I have no table to dine at. You know what? Most of us kind of live in that lie and in that song of woe is me. I'm just a lost sheep. But here's the deal, y'all. If you're a follower of Christ, again, you have a shepherd. 
Man, that should be encouraging. That should be comforting. I think what, you get, what we have to do from tonight, y'all, realize, trust, believe. We have a good shepherd and start trying to listen to him. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. But we got to start slowing down a little bit, making time to get in his word, to get on our knees and to talk to him, to listen to him and realize I'm a dumb sheep, but I've got a really, really good shepherd. God's care for you is amazing. If you're a Christian, we need to start embracing that and believing that song. If you're not a believer, here's what I would say to you real quick. In Luke, I think it's chapter 15, he's talking about what it's like when a lost, per, a lost person is found and comes to Christ for salvation. He says, you know what? It's like a shepherd having all these sheep. Is it the 100 sheep? And he's got the 99, but one is missing. So he, get, he goes and chases after that one sheep. And when he finds it, what does he do? He rejoices, Right? He rejoices that the one was found. Here's what I want to encourage you tonight. If you don't know Jesus and, and you've kind of been wanting, you realize you're like the lost sheep on your own and you don't have a shepherd taking care of you, you know what? You can have a shepherd taking care of you if you just turn to Jesus. And here's the cool thing. I don't care how far you've run, how dirty your uh, coat of whatever, your fleece is, your shepherd flea, or that's not a word, your sheep fleece, whatever it's called, <laughs> how dirty it is, you know what? It can be white as snow if you will turn to Christ. He, he, he welcomes you. He's chasing after you. So here's how we're going to respond tonight. In a second, it's really cool. David is actually going to, like for real, sing Psalm 23. And aren't you glad it's him and not me? Amen, right? And if you're not a Christian, you realize, like, in all seriousness, you don't have a shepherd. I would love to pray with you and just, like, help you come into his fold, come into his flock. So I'm going to be back in the back and I would, man, there's nothing special, but I just love to pray with you and talk with you about what that looks like to turn to Jesus as your shepherd. And if you're a Christian, which I know a lot of you in this room, as he's singing this psalm and song, I think a couple of ways you could respond to this. I think you could just like sit and let those words kind of like wash over you and encourage you and strengthen you that you do have a shepherd. Or maybe you need to come down front and, and just say, God, I've been acting like I don't need a shepherd, but I really do. And I, and I, wanna, I wanna quit running away from you. I know you're a good shepherd. You've been chasing me and I wanna just enjoy you being my shepherd. Or maybe because you're gonna know these words because they're from the Psalm. Maybe you just wanted to join David and sing. I, I, some of the verses might be kind of difficult to sing along, but um, you're still welcome to join in and just sing and rejoice in this truth. Y'all with me? We have a really, really good shepherd. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. And thank you that you are the good shepherd that you laid down your life for us. So God, we can, we can know and trust that you're good because you laid down your life for us. And God, I pray that if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know you, that is not a part of your flock, God, I pray that you would just draw them to yourself, that they would realize that your mercy, your goodness is chasing after them even right now. And God, for, for believers, I pray that we would just embrace the fact that we need a shepherd and thank God we have a shepherd. And Lord, that maybe we would remember that 
you invite us to dine with you, that you're a gracious host. God, I pray that our, our worldview, the way we view you, and the way we view your care for us would completely be flipped upside down tonight, God. That we, know, we would know that you are a God who is for us and not against us. God, we love you. And I pray that as we hear the words of this song, that you would speak to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.